and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey Score Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave your rating and a review. That would be much, much appreciated. Um, so today we're going to be having a little bit of an interesting conversation. We're going to be joined by Tate Harris, host of the O Show, an OHL podcast, because there's some news speculating around when the OHL is going to return. And uh, so we're going to get Tate to join us to break down all that news. So, Tate, let's welcome you in. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, uh, me on, Mike. Yeah, no, of course. And uh, before I forget, actually, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN and get 20% off your next order. You big fan of uh, protein bars there, Tate? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, all, all I'm doing is eating protein bars after my workouts. If you see the pictures of me, you can see I'm, I'm real toned, and it's mostly because of the protein bars. Dude, you got to get on these Built Bars. They're incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Hey, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off. It's incredible. They got tons of great, great um, flavors as well. But let's get to the OHL because, you know, there's some interesting news floating around there, and there really wasn't even a certainty that there was going to be an OHL season this year. Like, everything is up in the air, like, just because of COVID and whatnot. But the OHL today, it seems like some news is starting to leak out that there's going to be a season, and they have a target start date. So why don't we start there? What What's this target start date that uh, the OHL is looking to start things back up again? Well, what's interesting is this isn't the first date the OHL has actually put out there. They they did put publicly in the past that they were going to start December 1st. Camps were going to start uh, mid-November. Um, but yeah, leaking right now is a February 4th start with camps starting January 23rd. And yeah, that, that's pretty short for camps. It's been kind of reported that maybe one or two exhibition games that they're going to be playing. Um, so, so those are the dates that we're seeing at, at deadline at uh, April 8th, uh, OHL draft, June 5th. Again, these are unofficially official or officially unofficial, whatever way you want to look at it. <laughs> but those are the dates that we have right now. And, and like I said, this isn't the first time they put dates out. So I really hope that these dates will happen. But time will tell, as you said, everything's always changing or is up in the air. Well, interestingly, too, kind of this February 4th date really coincides with what the AHL has decided to do. And it looks like they're going to start their league on February 5th. So you would have to think that these leagues are all in contact with each other. The CHL, so the OHL, the AHL, and the NHL. So you would have to think that everyone assumes that there's going to be a season and pushing it from December 1st all the way to February you got to think that that they truly believe that by February they'll be able to have themselves a season. Yeah, the February date, we're kind of looking at basically one year of no hockey for these OHL guys or, or competitive games at least. So, yeah, it's exciting to see these dates again, but I'm I'm not certain that's going to happen for the OHL. I, I do think it, the AHL is going to have a plan in place. Uh, you hear rumors of them traveling with their NHL teams. I do think the AHL is going to happen. But when it comes to the O, some things that weren't discussed or approved yet was uh, what's going to happen with the American teams. Yeah. Um, well, that was going to be my, one of the questions I was going to ask yeah. you. Like, was there any discussion on whether or not these U.S. teams are A, going to be able to play? B, are they going to have to just come over and 
kind of uh, maybe like a Erie would have to shack up with with Niagara and Flint and Saginaw maybe end up in uh, Windsor. You know, like what is going to be the deal with those three organizations? So there, there's again nothing official yet, but there have been rumors that it's going to be you know shared arenas. So you're going to have Flint and Windsor, Saginaw and Sarnia, and Erie and Niagara. Um, I was, I was, I had the idea personally to put them in, you know, maybe test markets, you know, Leamington, Woodstock, Chatham, uh, smaller towns that do have larger seated uh, arenas. Not that we don't know what's going to happen with fans. That's another thing that they didn't discuss, but nothing official on the, the American front. And we got to keep in mind, most of the, the kids playing on these American teams are Canadian. So, I would think the families would prefer them be over here in Ontario. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that either. The you know, a large majority of these kids in the OHL are actually, in fact, Canadian, despite playing in American markets. And you know, especially a COVID is one thing, but b the United States isn't really the best place to be living in right now. <laughs> it's not ideal. That's it's for not sure. ideal, and it could get a little bit worse. Uh, you know, if things don't go a certain way next week, we're not going to talk politics, but that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, uh, the other thing I did want to add to the American thing is, yeah. uh, so so they might do divisions where you're playing the same, you know, four or five teams. Right. Uh, way earlier maybe a month ago uh, when we thought the december 1st was going to be the date uh, it was suggested that the three american teams would just rotate and play each other so i don't know if that's an option that's still on the table but it, it's something they're still discussing but that'd be such a small division like you got you're gonna play because they're looking at a 40 game season it looks like and what are you gonna yeah. do you're gonna play these guys like 20 times each or well you have a player like cole perfetti going to you know a team like Erie who's not going to be as strong as Saginaw the point totals this kid would put up would just look so ridiculous and it would be so skewed for scouts and uh it, it might be a lot of fun <laughs> to kind of see what he would start doing but yeah I ideally I'm sure it's not what the OHL wants I, I guess the best thing is going to be to bring him over to uh to Ontario um also, there was an announcement that there's going to be an eight-team playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's interesting. I I think they're doing it because the Memorial Cup date was already announced and it's pushed back to uh, June 17th. So this way they can, yeah, I think the OHL season is supposed to go till May 16th and then they start the, the playoffs. So they'll have time uh, with a shorter playoff to finish in time for the Mem Cup. I, I don't know, I guess, so the thing with the OHL is there are 10 teams in each conference, eight teams make it, and they do this because of fans. It's it's a gate-driven league. You need to get fans in, and playoffs is where you make the most money, so the majority of the teams make the playoffs. That doesn't really matter, so it makes sense that they can shorten the playoffs and it won't really affect them because there's not going to be fans there. Uh, it's it's definitely going to add some, some parity or... or some storylines or races as things get uh, close to see who's going to make the playoffs with only four spots available in each conference. Yeah, it's certainly it's going to be super competitive. It's almost like you're heading right to the semifinals, right? Right, like literally right away. So I feel like they're going to be really like the playoffs itself will be great, but it's going to suck for a lot of those teams out there who are hoping to make a playoff run. Um, you know, coming up this year, whether they have a bunch of overagers or, you know, they went all in to, to have a solid, you know, two year run and they got 
you know, killed last year and weren't able to do that. And then this year also, if they don't turn out to be one of the top four teams, they're not going to be able to to have that run as well. It's just, it's going to end up being kind of unfair for some teams. But I think one of the bigger questions here, and you kind of brought it up as, you know, the OHL is very gate-driven and financially, like there are some teams that are richer than others. You think, you know, London, Kitchener, extremely rich teams. But what are the odds that some of the kind of mom-pop-owned teams are, are going to be able to make it through this without the gate sales, as you said? I assume there's going to be some some negotiation with the government to make this work. Uh, like, there's actually going to be a lot of negotiation because uh, Lisa McLeod, uh, the, the sporting governor, mm-hmm. uh, said that there's going to be no hitting, no fighting. I could deal with no fighting. No hitting to me is, uh, it's not really hockey. And again, it, when it comes to a, a scouting standpoint, uh, it's not good uh, to watch these players not hit. The point totals will be ridiculous. So, uh, are, so, so, so hold on, sorry. but Is that going to be part of the negotiations? Like essentially the government is going to say, hey, look, if you want some money to be able to run this league, no hitting? Again, this when people leaked the information on the conversation today, the no hitting was not discussed because yeah. GMs and owners around the league uh, assume it will be no issue by the time they start. Assuming to me is not a good idea at this point huh. uh, to just assume that something is going to be okay because uh, the leagues that are going on right now, you have a few junior leagues um, like junior B and, and tier two leagues there's no hitting going on in these leagues. So I know the OHL is major junior. I just, we've seen them not make exceptions for the, you know, the blue Jays. Uh, they got like this government is sticking with the rules. So I don't know how they're going to make an exception for the OHL. So to me, that will be part of the negotiations if they can prove, Hey, we're doing this kind of testing, um, you know, other safety protocols that they have in place to show that, uh, we can allow hitting because we're doing everything possible to keep these players um, and kids. We do have to remind ourselves they're kids safe. Yeah, that's true. Like these kids, 15, 16, 17, 18 uh, years old, a, a good majority of them. Um, what's the long-term impact here, though, that that this, the entire COVID, the fact that last year's season got cut short, no Memorial Cup this year, they're only going to have half a season. You know, what's the and possibly not even have fans at all in the stands. Like what's the long-term impact here for the league as a whole? I think the biggest impact is going to be development. Uh, This is supposed to be a development league. People look to the OHL because of their longer season compared to NCAA. A lot of players pick the OHL because they get the more games uh, similar to an NHL schedule. That's not going to be the case. These players again have not played for what's going to be almost a year, um, 10 months or so, it, it's not good for, for development at all. And, and I was talking to a friend today who works with the Windsor Spitfires saying, you know, the players are there now, they're practicing, but I said, it's not, it's not the same. You cannot get the, the same uh, competition or, or develop yourself correctly uh, without actually playing a competitive game against players that you don't like. Uh, playing your your own team it, it just doesn't do it for you it doesn't prepare you enough to reach the nhl which is the ultimate goal for these players playing in the o and i have heard some rumblings about some players potentially thinking about going and playing overseas or going and playing 
uh, you know, in the other junior, you know, down south or in the other junior ranks within Canada, just somewhere that's starting hockey, like the Q, they've been playing hockey this whole time. They started up in what, uh, the, the beginning of the month, I believe, and they've been able to play. There's been some bumps in the roads, but there's, they're, they're playing, right? The OHL, uh, if they're not starting up until February 4th, and it turns out that the development, uh, you know, that could hurt some developments. Has there been any discussions or have you heard of anybody thinking about jumping ship and maybe going and playing elsewhere? Well, we, we've we've seen it already with Marco Rossi going over to Europe, but it's a little different because he's a, a European player. Um, what I think is going to happen is something similar to what the WHL did where the WHL put out a statement saying players can basically go play anywhere they please for now as long so as long as they come back. Um, so they'll probably put something out similar to that because in the WHL you have the newest exceptional status player, Connor Bedard, playing over in Europe. This is a 15-year-old kid that went over there, which is crazy to me. At 15, I was just eating Doritos oh, and playing video games. <laughs> so for him to go over there play hockey is crazy and and you'll see other players do it this this is this is their dream this is what they've been trying to accomplish their whole lives they put literally everything their heart and their soul into accomplishing this dream going over to Europe to play hockey is is an easy decision for them um, regardless of the covid situation whatever some people think it's ridiculous to be playing hockey and doing all these things but the kids will do what they have to do to to get to their ultimate goal so i think the ohl will put that that statement out probably not as i believe all these dates are going to be announced tomorrow Uh, i give it about a week or so and they'll put out a similar statement to the whl to allow these players to loan themselves out to uh european teams although spots are also running out that's true i mean i guess it it is the the european teams are going to have to take on these these young kids and who knows if they'll you know be wanting to do that because they want to grow the game with their own kind of players like in, out in Sweden and in Finland. They they don't just want Canadians coming over and kind of taking over the league. That there is something to be said about that. But you would think that kids who are pretty skilled and kids especially in their draft year. So the kids who are going to be in the because uh, what's the draft year this season? Oh sixes? Oh fives? No. Oh fours? No, uh, I believe 03. Okay, 03. <laughs> I'm all over the place. But I got believe these, these... I, uh, it's it's. You start looking at some of these like uh, minor midger U16 so players, young. and you, you get the dates mixed up. But yeah, the main players you would be looking at from the OHL are Brant Clark, Mason McTavish, Brendan Othman, um, out in Flint. So the, these are the players you're looking at that would possibly go over to Europe because it's so important to get um, eyes on them. They exactly. they want to show. How good they are a player like brant clark he he plays for barry he's, he's a potential first overall pick offensive defenseman the first half of the year last year he was playing under warren reichel and warren reichel decided that this offensively gifted defenseman similar to mike babcock and tyson barry he decided that this guy isn't going to be on the power play that he wants him to be a defensive-minded defense you can't change these players so warren reichel gets fired this this 16 year old defenseman ends up a point per game at the the end of the year as a 16 year old defenseman so it's important for him to continue to show how great he is offensively because that's that's his major skill and he's got to show the scouts he's already missed so much time with this time with Warren Reichel the shortened season so this is a player I I think will go over to Europe and really show what he's got but just as an example the 
that these players want to get the eyes on them. Exactly. And, and coming back was the original point that I was going to make was, you know, trying to get these players back. If there is no hitting, like what are the odds that these guy kids who are trying to get drafted are going to try and come back and play? You would think that that could potentially hurt the draft stock. Maybe not of a guy like Brant Clark, but guys who are kind of fringe first and second rounders, they would probably, if I was a team, I would expect to maybe go after a kid playing out in Europe who's been playing traditional hockey for the better part of the last year as opposed to somebody who's just been playing some you know, touch hockey out there on the ice. Yeah, I I agree with you. It, it, would, be, it would be hard to pick a player, especially um, like what's, use a leaf prospect as an example sda this kid would light it up if there's no hitting if there's no physicality involved um, he would he would look he would look like wayne gretzky out there so obviously it's such a big part of the game you need to have it um as far as losing players so say brant clark goes over there um and there's no hitting in the ohl he still has to come back i reached out to some sources to see um, if there's any way they can stay in Europe, and and that's not the case, they have mm. to come back to the OHL um, if the OHL is playing. Okay, okay. So there is going to be an agreement that they must come back, or they won't be able to play overseas. Is that going to be the deal there? That's that's basically the deal, and this is really only for uh, Canadian players, import players. Uh, it, it's a little different. They can get away with uh, you know breaking their contract a little easier. Um, so. So I wouldn't really think if they go over, they might stay over uh, where the Canadian players, uh, the Ontario players would have to come back. So that is in their agreement that that they do sign. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. And right now, you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a chance at a free cooler and 20% off at BuiltBar.com. In conversation with Tate Harris, the host of the O Show, an OHL podcast, uh, sitting here having a conversation about the breaking news today of the Ontario Hockey League announcing that they're going to be pushing back their original target date of December 1st and now are expected to announce February 4th as the new start date. Um, Tate, let's go ahead and transition and just discuss some of the least prospects in the OHL. You can kind of tell me a little bit about them and let me know if you think any of these kids are going to amount to being something. But interestingly enough, uh, I'm sure you noticed this along with a lot of other people, but there was a trend in this year's Leafs draft group. Uh, They didn't take a single player from the OHL this year. Do you believe that that was by design? Uh, No, I don't don't believe that was by design. We we all know 
Kyle Dubas is a uh, he picks the best player available, and it just happened to be that he never thought the best player available was an OHL player, which is which is fine to me. And and if that's that's the case, I'm okay with drafting uh, best player available. So I, I think it was the right decision because uh, you look in the past, he does have some OHL players in the system. Um, again, you know, looking at Nick uh, Robertson. He was the best player available to him. It didn't matter where he played. He took him. So that, to me, it, it doesn't really matter uh, that no I, OHL players were picked this year. Well, I, the only thing about last year and the years prior where he was picking OHL players in this year is the fact that he was picking a lot of players from overseas in leagues that he knew were starting back up or already had started back up and weren't hurting their development, whereas the OHL specifically was the only junior league that didn't start or wasn't starting up until – now we know as late as February. So with that being in the back of his mind, it just seems a little, a little fishy that he steered away from the OHL this year. Yeah, that's that's totally fair to assume. Um, but I, I also think the Leafs do have a power. We talked about contracts. I don't know if they could do it, but I feel like if any team could, they would be like, eh, let's not worry about your OHL contract and you go play wherever in Europe. I'm sure they could find them a spot. They have the contacts and, and the money to do it. So I, I don't know if Kyle Dewis would really think about it that much. I mean, there's a reason I'm not a GM because I'm not thinking about it that much. So maybe <laughs> he is, you are. So, uh, so maybe GM's in your future, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's just the way it played out. Uh, we saw a lot of OHL players drafted, uh, seven in the first round. Um, so I, I don't know if it was something that, uh, you know, most people were looking at, let alone uh, Kyle Dubas. Uh, let's talk about some of the guys actually that are still putting around in the OHL. There's some guys that you got some eyes on last year before the stoppage came into effect. Uh, let's start with the number one least dra- uh, least prospect in their system, and that's Nick Robertson. Uh, you know, do you, do you think this kid has a a prominent NHL future ahead of him? I would say yes. Um, you, you kind of saw it there in the uh, the four games he played in the Leafs playoffs there or non playoffs. Uh, he scores goals. He, he scored fifty five goals in forty six yes, he games. <laughs> he's he's ridiculous. Um. But at the beginning of the year, I remember saying to a friend, he, he tries to do too much. And I, I think when he was playing those games against Columbus, you you saw that at times, maybe doing a little too much, but it's going to be an adjustment period. And that's what it was like this year for in the OHL, him trying to do too much. And then he just realized, I just got to shoot the puck. I got to play my game, keep it simple. Um, and I think once he realizes that, he will be a top six forward for the Maple Leafs. I can see... I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm not sure where he fits in the lineup this year. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure if he makes the team at a camp. Is he still OHL eligible, or is he good to go to the AHL? Yeah, so he he would have to play one more year in the O, which which does worry me. A player like that, we talk about development. It it would not do good for him at all coming back to the O. If you score more than a goal every game, yeah. you're you're probably too good for the OHL. The AHL would probably be perfect for him. Um. But yeah, looking at that Leafs roster, I could, I think he he could play with you know Tavares and and Nylander. Um, I don't know if if you see that you're you're the Leafs host uh, yeah, here. Yeah, no, but. I I don't see it happening right now. I think that would be once he rounds into shape and 
becomes a full-time NHL or that might be the role that he ends up with. But I think, you know, as a, a kid who's played, what, four games in the NHL, I, I don't know if he's quite ready for top six minutes. He he didn't really, like, jump off the page last year when he had a chance here in the, in the playoffs or in the play-in yeah. round. So I don't think he's proven himself yet to be considered uh, a, a top six guy, where I think Ilya Mikheyev, who right now is kind of penciled in with that role, is considered one of them. Um, and, and if he's not going to be in the top six, I, I don't know if you want him playing like third or fourth line minutes, it, probably more so fourth line minutes, because you're not sure if you want to put him on your third line. So if that's the case, is he really benefiting from only playing eight, nine, maybe 10 minutes a game? I don't know. He might be better off playing in the OHL as opposed to eight to, we'll say, 11 minutes a game in the in the show. Well, well, that's kind of the great debate. Uh, you take a look at Sandine last year. It's, it's, is it worth it for these guys to come up and play less minutes? Is, is playing against NHL caliber players constantly, although it's not a lot of minutes, does is that better for your development? And, and that's to me is a tough decision. I think a third line role he could probably get away with if he's playing on the second power play. But like you got guys like Spezza and now Thornton there, I, I don't see a spot for that for him there. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough decision for Kyle Dubas to make. And, and this is a player that, again, if, if somehow they could get him over to Europe um, because they don't want him playing in the O, it would be perfect to do so. I just don't know if that will be available to him. Uh, but, yeah, he might just be in the uh, the OHL putting up 100 goals. I don't know what his goal total <laughs> would even be. Let's move on and chat about another one of these Leafs prospects, and that's Mac Hollowell, uh, who was actually just sent overseas today to Tuto Mestis in, in uh, the Finnish League. Uh, so Hollowell, he, his tour duty in the OHL is complete, though, now, right? Yeah, he, he's all done. He he played for the uh, Marlies and uh, in the Coast last year. Uh He's a good player. He's a small defenseman. He puts up puts up points. He's one of those modern-day Kyle Dubas defensemen, mm-hmm. moves the puck well. Um, I just don't know if he's an NHL defenseman, especially with the route that you've seen Kyle Dubas go this offseason. Um, you see the bottom, like the bottom pairings, maybe adding more size and being more physical, and I, I don't know if he brings that. For those who aren't, quite aware of Matt Hollowell. What would you profile him as? Like as the type of defenseman yeah. he is? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're giving me a scouting report real quick, uh, what 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 type of player is Matt Hollowell? He's uh he's he's a good uh first pass defenseman. Again, small. He he's not moving bodies out in front of the net. He can skate with the puck well. Uh although he's a slow skater, if that makes sense. He the better word to use is moves well he gets to places very well he's in the right spots well um but sometimes he he gets caught that that's my scouting report on mac hollowell i i i just don't see him making the the next step i see you see the right things and i just i don't think he he can utilize everything at once if that makes sense to you Oh, it totally makes sense to me. And luckily, one of the things that the Leafs do have in their favor is the fact that they have one of the best skating coaches at Barb Underhill uh, on their books. So if he she can get Mac Hollowell cooking and, and kind of teach him how to skate, and uh, if that can improve his game, I like his chance of being at least uh, an NHL or as a third pair or a seventh defenseman at some point in his uh, in his career. 
uh, SDA. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his his <laughs> name because it's just a mouthful. Uh, can you pronounce it? That'd be very extremely uh, impressive no. if you could. I, no. I think I did on my podcast once, and, and they chirped me, the people, the fans of Peter Bro. They got <laughs> at me, and never again would I ever give it an, an attempt. Uh, SDA, he, he's kind of polarizing on our podcast because – um, and Craig Button has mentioned this uh, jokingly on uh, Twitter when it was rumored that he asked for a trade from the Peterborough Peets. Uh, someone said they would really miss him. And uh, uh, Craig Button's like, yeah, all six of his goals because he is not a goal scorer. He, he's a playmaker. He, he can feed the puck to anybody. But when it comes to scoring goals, it's just not what he does. In in his entire OHL career, he did not hit over 20 goals. And and I understand that he's a playmaker. He's a pass-first guy. But I think if you have skill in the OHL, by the time you're 20 years old, you should be scoring some goals. Even Mitch Marner, who, who has an awful wrist shot, uh, scored goals in the OHL. So <laughs> I just I just think it's it's crazy to me that he's, he doesn't score goals and it's always part of a debate on our podcast is, is that good or bad that he's always passing first. And um, again, that's, that's another debate that people have on this player, but yeah, 75 points, 55 games is a lot, but he only had 12 goals. It works well if you've got him skating on a line with a guy like Austin Matthews or Nylander or Tavares or heck, maybe even a guy like Marner, but uh, on his own, I don't think he's a guy who's going to create that much for you and drive play. Uh, do you see an NHL career in his future, or is he just going to be more of a depth uh, piece for this organization? Um, if you asked me two years ago, I would have said, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you remember. You remember he was like, he made it to the end of camp for some yeah. reason. Yeah, he did, was... and, and he actually looked half decent. And it was like his draft year, too, yeah. and everybody was surprised. He was one of the a camp hopeful, and it was like, oh, can SDA make the team? And obviously didn't end up making it. But uh, I guess he just hasn't been that flashy player ever since. Yeah, it was, it was the strangest thing, and I thought for sure at that point, I said this guy is eventually going to be at least a 3C in the NHL. Um, and then the next year in the O, instead of improving on his point totals, he regressed a little and he, or had a similar season. I should say it's not technically Which is basically, it's but. basically regressing. Yeah, it's he's a year older. I, yeah. The OHL is interesting because when you hit 20 years old, you're, you're a man, your body is different. Like you're playing 16 year old kids. If you're as skill skilled as SDA is you, you expect them do more and he just never did more so I don't know if that's an issue um, he's had some time in the coast which I thought was interesting with Kyle Dubas using you know all teams available to him I thought that was good he's going to the KHL this will will probably be the biggest tell if, if SDA will be an NHL player the way he plays against men unfortunately though in the KHL when it comes to young players they don't always get the the ice time it's not a development league they're there to win so uh, he he's gonna have to play hard to get some ice time and show the coach that he deserves some ice time so it's an interesting situation a great situation for the Leafs when trying to figuring out what SDA is and what he will be there's also a slight possibility that he could never leave the KHL I mean, as a yeah, Russian yeah, there's that. descent, he, he <laughs> could decide just to stay home. Just 
I wouldn't worry with that with that with SDA. Uh, SDA is special in the sense that he came over to Canada when he was uh, 14. He played minor hockey mm-hmm. as a U15 and U16 uh, player. And then he was when he was drafted to the O, he wasn't an import pick. He was drafted to the OHL because he was in Canada for uh, right. for so many years. So I don't know if he's a guy to to stay in the KHL, although, you know, being over in Canada that long and then getting, uh, being back home, he might figure out that he misses it and stays. I know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. The Russian players. <laughs> I hope not. Cause I think, uh, you know, obviously the Maple Leafs want to have as many, uh, you know, kicks at the cam when it comes to prospects in their, in their cupboard as, as they possibly can. And this is somebody who might turn into something, you know, he's, he's basically just another lottery ticket. Like a lot of the, players who were drafted in the last few years by, by Kyle Dubas, but we'll see what SDA turns into. And I actually want to have a kind of a, a fun off the cuff conversation that you just reminded me of, because uh, you know, you talk about guys when they turn 20 years old, they just turn into phenoms in the OHL. And when I first started getting into um, tracking the OHL and tracking prospects and stuff, there was a, a player, and I'll say his name in just a moment, but there was a player who just was an absolute beast. And you look at his statistics and you say, oh, this guy is going to be a superstar. That player was uh, Dane Fox. Do you remember Dane Fox? Uh, yes, I do remember Dane Fox. Weird story about Dane is when I was in minor hockey, I think it was novice, we played Ridgetown, um, which I, I'm not sure if that's where he's, he's from. It says he's born in Chatham. So Richtown is near Chatham. Uh, and we thought this guy was the next Gretzky because he put up like eight <laughs> goals that game, right? And this is novice. So we thought he was the next Gretzky. But yeah, he put up a ridiculous amount of points in the OHL. And then you see him struggle to make the AHL. It's it's crazy. I don't know if you've you've been on the ice with players that you think are great and then to see them not succeed just shows you how great NHL players really are. But yeah, he's yeah. he's one of those. And the most famous one, I think, is Rob Shrimp, who put up uh, I, I don't know. Oh, oh. disgusting amount of, of yeah, points. Well, Ray Ferraro, who, who did end up carving out a really good career for himself, but like he had like a hundred and some goals the one year in uh, in the Western League, didn't he? Yeah, Ray Ferraro lit it up when he played junior. That's a guy who maybe was about 30 years too early. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, and same it, with Rob Shrimp. Like, these these are guys who nowadays would probably be given chances to play in top six roles right away and uh, really show their skill. But, yeah, Rob Shrimp had 145 points in 57 games. That's oh, crazy. my goodness. That is insane. Insane. Did you have one of those guys, or was Rob Shrimp that guy for you who you thought was just going to be an absolute beast in the NHL and just flamed out? Uh, yeah, probably Rob Shrimp. Yeah. Uh, I I. I I don't want to say this, but I thought Nail Yakupov was going to be sick. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I don't want to say one. it, but you're not the only one. Obviously, there was a, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. You're not the only one who thought that. Obviously, that that there was a conversation today on my radio show Overdrive that that may be the worst top four draft in NHL history. You got Ryan Murray or, or uh, Nail Yakupov, Ryan Murray, Alexi Alchenyuk, and then Griffin Reinhardt. Can you name me a worse four, top four in a draft? You'd have to really, really go searching. Well, uh, here's the worst thing is 
I'm still saying Neil Yakupov should come back for another shot. <sighs> That's all, all I'm saying. Leafs need cheap contracts. This is a guy, don't forget, his, his rookie season was not bad. In 48 games, he had 17 goals, 14 assists, 31 points. It was not bad at all. That was a shortened season. He, he's got to have something there. And, and maybe that's just, you know, the bias of being a, a first overall pick. You know, like how many chances did Griffin Reinhardt get? And then even Galchenyuk getting signed again, going team to team. These guys obviously get chances. There's some bias there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know why I think he's like, maybe it's because I thought he was sick in junior. So I'm still like, <laughs> hey, give him another shot. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't uh, I don't think that's gonna be the case. I don't I think his NHL career is is kind of <laughs> over. Although oh, we did sure. see Val Nichushkin come in, a little bit of a different player, but we did see him come back into the NHL after spending a few seasons overseas. Um, that was more of a contract dispute. Where I think Neil Yakupov, he just soured on the league, and no one wanted to bring him back and give him an <laughs> opportunity. Well, he did technically. He got traded. What did he get traded to? He, Played. Uh, he played in uh, Colorado. Was his last season? Yeah, uh, but he got traded to St. Louis. Traded to St. Louis. I think St. Louis. Yeah, signed there or traded there or what happened? But yeah, he, yeah, he's he definitely <laughs> played himself out. So <laughs> yeah, it's just the hope, man. It's you asked the question, I gave you an answer. All right. <laughs> but it's just it's you know it was just to, to kind of prove that like we talk about Nicholas Robertson and you know I've seen a lot of Leaf fans because I put out my what I think my lineup projection was uh, like last week or so and I didn't have Robertson on there and I had some people be like are you kidding me you don't have Nicholas Robertson on your team like he he is an absolute beast last year he scored like 50 goals in 40 games yeah it's like <laughs> listen I, I can give you a list of guys who scored 50 goals in 40 games yeah who never played a game in the NHL in their life. Like, just because somebody lights up the OHL, and I'm not saying that Robertson's going to flame out. I still think that he's a, a solid NHL prospect and a good talent and will eventually make his mark in Toronto, but it doesn't automatically anoint him as a top-six player with this team. Yeah, that's that's fair. The only reason I thought he'd be top-six is because you've seen Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe give him every opportunity to make the team. And yeah. I think coming into camp this year, he's going to be given every opportunity to play in that top six role with John Tavares. So I, I, I don't know if he sticks there. He would play himself out, but for some reason, I just see Kyle Dubas um, loving this player, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, where he fits on the team. If he's not playing in that top six, cause like Barrett Banoff or like he's some people think he's playing for sure. Right. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, br- bringing in a guy like Thornton kind of changed some things because that'll move yeah. Kerfoot over to the wing and that'll put, uh, you know, drop, you know, one of VC or Barabanov kind of off of the roster. And and then at that point, like, are you dropping Robertson out there too? Because you also got Wayne Simmons who yeah. came in. You've got, uh, you know, a couple other guys. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Leafs team shakes out. Nick Robertson does have a chance. He's going to be given an opportunity. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, some do. But that's the whole point of, of, of training camps, to have these camp battles. And I think that's what the Leafs were trying to do, is they were just trying to create, um, create uh, competition within the lineup, some internal competition, and the best players are going to play. And that's how you end up with the best team. And at the end of the day, that's what the Leafs are trying to do. Yeah, 
they're uh, I think they're gonna be a good team. I'm excited for uh, for next year. If you can't tell, I am a Leafs fan. So Are you it now? does come out every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, dude, that was so much fun. Thanks a lot, Tate, for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. And, and I apologize for the uh, awful Mac Hallowell scouting report. <laughs> no worries, dude. <laughs> hey, man, he's a, he's a local kid from my hometown of Niagara. So I've, I've got a couple oh, of buddies who play with that's Mac why. and know Mac pretty well. And You uh, got to pump your boys up. I yeah, get it, exactly. Man. So I, I, I like Mac. I'm hoping, as a Niagara <laughs> boy, I'm hoping he has himself a heck, a heck of a career. And if he can do it here in Toronto, even better. Bonus marks. Bonus marks. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today in the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Making a Score Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And uh, follow Tate at Tate Harris 9. And the 9 is for Paul Correa, not Gordon Bombay. I asked him, and uh, he said, nope, not Gordon Bombay. It's Paul Correa, which makes sense. Makes total sense. Uh, if you guys want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.